Hello again, boils and ghouls. Your buddies Cole and Josh from Cat Dead Details Later back with another episode. Today we're revisiting a body horror classic, Videodrome, from our buddy David Cronenberg. Uh, holy shit, dude. This, every time I see this, it gets better. Yeah, I, this, this is, or has been my favorite viewing. Like, I, what, it's been a lovely night so far. Oh, that's good. I, I had somehow forgotten so much about this film. And the pacing is so much better than I remember it being. And I, I think it, it's probably because I watched it way, way too late last time around. Oh, yeah. I think the first time I ever saw it, it was like approaching midnight when we started. And like, yeah, it was like 1140 or something. Yeah. And uh, as much as I enjoyed it this time, I, I don't think I would suggest Videodrome for a midnight viewing. No, that's one where you kind of want your brain to be a little bit fresh. But it would be like, I think actually the after work watch is the best because you've got a little bit of like the the fatigue of the day and the kind of grind of life pulling you down a little bit. And then you just subject yourself to, to a Cronenberg classic. And uh, God damn, if I didn't find it again, yeah, the most enjoyable watch that I've had watching it. If David Cronenberg had some sort of Cronin dial... I could just see him like looking at the entire like cast and crew, like, "Hey guys, <laughs> like David, stop turning it up." He's like, "Oh, there's another one. Push it to nine. Like, David, oh, how do you think we can do ten? <laughs> like, he, yeah, he went full Cronenberg on this one. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, I, th- I think the only ah man, I actually don't even know if I would say th- th- this is a a wonderful piece to kind of like define the Cronenberg flavor yeah I mean I think I always I think I always jump to scanners in my mind as like the like when I think Cronenberg that's the first thing that pops into my head but I think you're right that this one is more like representative of his general feel yeah, like it's it's got a good balance of not only his like visual effects style, but also like the the writing in this one is like it's 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 a nicely balanced dish. It's it's coherent enough that you have a storyline to like kind of make sense of what's happening, but at the same time, it still feels like a nightmare. Yeah, it keeps you invested. So, I mean, in a nutshell, we've got. James Woods at peak James Woods uh, playing uh, Max Wren, a studio executive at a uh, like a low budget cable company in Toronto. Another film set in Canada uh, and shot in Canada. Uh, always love to see it. Um, and he, for Civic TV, he runs like this. This is set in a world where technology it's basically like a precursor to what we're experiencing now where like networks are trying to find the most violent most sexually evocative most titillating um things to keep their viewers engaged and keep pushing the envelope which is totally a thing that we're experiencing today um 
And it even opens with that first scene where um, as soon as the film starts, we see this like title crawl for Civic TV on a TV. Um, and I think that the, the tagline is like the one you take to bed with you, which is totally like, especially nowadays, like I know for myself and for a great many people, we fall asleep watching TV. I think taking a television out of my bedroom is one of the best things I ever did for myself. I, w- I would like to say like that's purely for health reasons. I think that it's done wonders for my mental well-being. But I, I, th- I think on a more specific note, it's partially due to the fact that I would always fall asleep watching horror movies. Yeah. And waking up to a orchestra sting <laughs> and <laughs> horrifying visuals. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you do it night after night. Yeah. You know, it's just like 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's not, that's not the best thing for your brain or your heart. You're, you're watching Gina Davis have the fly monster crawling <laughs> over. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like it really, really somehow soaked in to my unconscious mind too because like it was affecting my dreams so you're already freaking out while you're asleep and like you're probably turning back and forth and then you wake up and it gets worse yeah i often i often say to people that like because uh, i remember my dreams like most of the time but i also don't remember the last time i had an equivocally like good dream most of them are unsettling or downright scary or extremely sad and I, I wonder why it's probably because of all the fucking horror movies that I watch when I go to sleep. I was just gonna say, like, it's like the last thing that you see before you go to bed. But it's funny because they bring me such joy. So you'd think, I guess maybe my subconscious is telling me something. Enjoyment aside, that there is a reason why so many people say that you're supposed to like, I, I think it's like an hour before bed. Mm-hmm. no screens kind of thing i'm like yeah it might be nice to just sit there with like a sleepy time tea <laughs> yeah that um, sounds lame uh so max ren is a studio executive um we open with him waking up to his like automated assistant like pre-recorded it's time for you to wake up thing on his tv so he's obviously had it on all night which is fucking rad and very relatable um he goes to a meeting with some Japanese businessmen. Wait, no, I was doing a nutshell thing. TV executive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it didn't even clue into me that if I just let you continue on, we'd be like 30 minutes deep. So like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> TV executive gets exposed to a cutting edge, new, uh, violent, sexually charged video TV executive broadcasts this video video begins to make him hallucinate uh, video feed uh, is a front for a political organization aiming to use the mind controlling capabilities of said video feed to kill the type of people who would seek out that kind of entertainment, thus creating a new, better world. That's basically the story in a nutshell. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's I, like like you said off the top, or something similar. Like 
this is the perfect amount of plot. I feel like there's plot that's in our peripheral vision mm -hmm. that we're not fully privy to, and I, and I love that. It's, Hell yeah. Uh, it really lends itself nicely to multiple viewings. Oh, I pick uh, something else up every time I watch it. Yeah. No, not something I noticed. Not, nothing new, but happy to see Debbie Harry every time. Oh, man, uh, Debbie Harry. Wow-wee. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the only thing I can recall seeing her in. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anything else. And I, I don't know if it's the role itself, but I, I really enjoyed watching her on screen. Oh, she's fantastic. I know that she was she did modeling in addition to her performing with Blondie, but um, I don't know if she ever really acted. Um, yeah, like, uh, she, she seemed very invested. Yeah, she, which is really cool. Both she and um, James Woods just uh, turned in fucking immaculate performances. It's not the smallest cast I've seen, but it, it is very... You, you don't get a lot of additional screen time from other characters. No, they're so definitely they're, they're, the focal point. Yeah, and uh, James, James, Wood, James Woods especially really... Like, I, I feel as though if this were a theater production, like, he would not have left the stage at any mm -hmm. point, right? Totally. And he did a wonderful job. Yeah, he, um, he's like a fucking scuzzball that you want to root for. This is another one of those films where, to a degree, depending on how you look at it, there's no fully likable characters in the sense of, I, I don't imagine a lot of people watching this film feeling as though they can fully relate no the only character, uh, any character? the only character i relate to is the new flash <laughs> oh the um the degree or the amount of body horror that we've watched recently i mean it's uh you know it is what it is i i i love it and i hate it at the same time <laughs> it makes me so unbelievably uncomfortable uh I can't help but feel like we're almost like a like a coffee restaurant or something that we, we've added a new menu item and it's it's temporarily replacing other items that people might want back. And they're like, oh, it's not going to stick around forever, but uh, every week you come back, <laughs> those, those new Danishes are just really they're they're just really pushing for them. <laughs> You're talking about the flesh Danish? Oh, yeah, I ain't buying that. That's. <laughs> I mean, two for a dollar, though. Yeah, you might, might, might give it a try. <laughs> you can't really beat that deal, baby. Uh, you know, once you get through the flesh, the inside's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that the words that came out of my mouth were anything that resembled coherent thought. I, I had more of like a cloud of... <laughs> I, I was trying to verbalize an idea, but... Yeah. That's kind of fitting. It, lots of body horror recently. Mm -hmm. Goes to his meeting with the Japanese biz businessman... Uh, they show him this tape called Samurai Dreams, which uh, looks to be a sort of scripted softcore kind of porn thing that he can show, uh, where there's this geisha who undresses a really tasteful wooden phallus, and then uh, which is wearing like a tiny kimono and a mask for some reason, um, and then we see we see her nude in some kind of hot spring pleasuring herself and uh it's hot stuff and uh that's gonna sell yeah i 
<laughs> I really had a kick out of that scene where she was like <laughs> undressing. undressing. <laughs> <laughs> Little do they know. Um, I mean, I feel like were I, I don't know if I want to go down this road. I guess we watched a body horror movie, so I can't really be much more gross than Videodrome. But were I of the female persuasion, I would probably just have a drawer full of toys that I would just throw in there willy-nilly. They wouldn't be dressed up or, like, on display. I would just have this, like, gunky drawer <laughs> of shit and like, oh, this is gonna do. <laughs> well, you know, every, every, everyone's got a junk drawer, they say. <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm so glad you heard junk. I like the amount of care that I mean, it's nice. to put into it. Yeah, I just recently yeah. started making my bed every day, and I tell you, when you put a little like care and attention into your it's your day to day routine, it really changes your life. Man, making the bed in the morning is it's wonderful. Pretty cool. It, it is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, man, <laughs> hey kids, if you're listening to this in the future. <laughs> You know what the worst part is that I'm almost 30 and I didn't start doing that until last week. But hey, everybody starts somewhere. Absolutely. Oh man, that's yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I think it's I, I don't know if the statistic is true. I didn't see the need to do any sort of like um further investigation, but a episode of Shark Tank, I, I think it was Men under the age of 35, I think on average, only wash their sheets once every three months. So I think that you're, 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 you're probably doing pretty good timeline wise in terms of making the bed. Oh yeah. Fair point. I mean, I went three years once without washing my sheets, so I'm still yeah, alive. I, I mean, it's that, uh, I saw Pete Holmes make like, he did like a bit of a stand up routine where he was talking about those like older dudes that make fun of hotels and they're like, look at these sheets. Like they don't wash these sheets. Like, yeah, dude, the last time I washed my sheets was never like <laughs> the hotel sheets are probably the cleanest that you are going to experience at any point in your life. Yeah. But it's your own filth. There's a total difference. It doesn't between... matter. Like, oh, man, like, they, they probably just dunk these things into a vat of bleach and yeah, just yeah, let it soak in. And it's noticeable. I love being in a hotel. It is. Oh yeah, I'm a hotel wonderful. fan. Ooh. Oh, speaking yeah, like... quick side tangent. Um, there's this yeah. really. It actually ties into Canada a little bit too. Have you ever heard of the Elisa Lamb story? You you told me about that. That's the lady. Um, she was found in like the the water reservoir in Fuck the top yeah. of the. Yeah, I, I um after you told me about that, I went down the rabbit hole. It is, I, man, okay, so, like, I love talking about horror movies, but I, I, I think that we really got to do more, like, true crime. Like, I guess that's not really crime, just, like, that. that's well, a no, it is crime. She, like, well, something happened it, to her. I don't know what. It, it, <laughs> it, it is authentically, I can't believe that it's not a bigger story. Like, well, actually, it, I, the reason I brought it, it up is that they, yeah. they, they just released a series on Netflix all about it. Oh, okay. And they, and they, go, like they go into the history of the Cecil Hotel and everything like that. So, like, um, they're they are talking about it, but like, thank God, that's it's crazy, man. Going to sleep the last two nights with the last thing I have having with the last thing I saw having been 
the the fucking elevator footage, like that's unsettling. Yeah, so, sir, I, like I, I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm trying to slow myself down because like the excitement is yeah. I don't I don't want to like consistently just cut you off, but yeah, that elevator footage is just I, I've watched it so many times now, and I it somehow becomes more horrifying every time. Just trying to figure out what was happening and then how how long did it take before they found her body because it, it, it was a I, while I, I like think someone... it was at least a week or two yeah and then people were like reporting issues with the water quality mm-hmm. now, oh my, yeah like speaking of that elevator video though like last night i watched it a few times just to like really take it in and creep myself out and then i turned my tv off and i turned my lights off in my room and i'm like Oh fuck! I feels like something's here. Like I felt fucking so paranoid. Oh god, yeah. Like that shit's insidious. It really is. It's that type of viewing something like that is like it really makes you question like the paranormal. Yeah. Potential there, just because oddly enough, that almost seems more logical than anything else. Just having seen it so many times and like trying to wait there, there, there's typically patterns and behaviors that people exhibit when they are like either with all or like various other forms of drugs and this just seems so far out from anything else i've like witnessed mm-hmm. it, yeah very very spooky stuff anyway that was a fun tangent and for those of you who don't know about it the Elisa Lamb story. That's uh, E-L-I-S-A, I think. Anyway. She's this girl from Vancouver who went traveling to the States and didn't make it uh, out of there alive. And it's really fascinating, and you gotta go look at it because it is bone-chilling. God, it's creepy. Yeah. So back to this story. Uh, Max brings back his Samurai Dreams tapes to his uh, board of executives. They have a look at it. They discuss whether or not they want to pursue it and broadcast it. And then later on, Max, uh, I think the next, basically the next important thing we see is him meeting Nikki. What's her surname? In any case, her name is Nikki. And James Woods meets her. Max Wren. Max Wren meets her on a talk show. And they're talking about the influence of media on people and whether or not it's a good thing, basically. And she's, uh, I guess Debbie Harry plays some kind of radio host. And halfway, not even halfway, basically immediately into the interview, Max Wren is just so consumed by lust for Nikki that he immediately just busts out, I want to take you to dinner. And they do. And it's fucking rad. And he, that's score one for the good bad guys they react so casually to it as well yeah because the other guests being interviewed uh, is his name brian oblivion oh, brian oblivion the guy in the tv um yeah and she just casually is like all right i'll just talk to this guy now they're yeah. they're talking about dinner um i love his character name yeah <laughs> I that I it's like the apostrophe oh, yeah. <laughs> oh mr Blivion? Blivion, <laughs> actually. Oh, Blivion. Oh, Blivion. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and yeah, he's on. He 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 will only appear on TV on TV to avoid appearing directly on TV. Um, and yeah, we've got that very dark and strange tangent about him talking his view on its uh, effects. Right. And I think it's pretty soon after that interview segment, we see uh, Max and Nikki just, there's a bit of in between, but we go pretty quickly to their like date or whatever you want to call it. They're just hanging out at his apartment. Which is a fucking rad apartment. It's good. Man, that's like good floor plan. Man, chalk that That's up. That's a cool pad. Chalk that up on the on the long list of horror movie dwellings in which I would love to find myself. Yeah. Oh man, I could do some cool stuff to that. Man, yeah, that I thought about that a few and I don't remember thinking about that the first time, possibly because I was kind of dozing in and out of sleep. But yeah, like I, I this place looks very cool. Honestly, I think the lighting in his apartment and the setup of it looking so eight like 80s comfortable like really contributed to the ease in which i fell asleep the first few times i tried watching this because it was late at night already and i'm just like chilling there watching and just looking at how comfy it all looked and then really passing out before any of the real weird stuff starts happening yeah you're able to really tell that that's a sofa that you would 100 percent fall asleep on as much as your bed probably more so like... I probably wouldn't even use my bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing the conversation of uh, you proudly discussing your bed purchase with me after three months of sleeping on your couch. <laughs> yeah, dude, my spine is freaked up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how was that trip to the doctor, man? Not good. He gave me, he really really tore me a new one for sleeping on my couch the past few months <laughs> man did i ever did i ever tell you that for like a year and a half two years i slept on a love seat because i thought it would be a good idea when when was that that's was that when you're that was belmont park so that was like grade 12 and the year after interesting i just thought like in my head because i'm always i don't know i've had a weird fascination with packaging and with spaces so, like, there was something in my mind that at that age was like, fuck yeah, it'll be so much cooler if in my room I don't have a bed, I just have a couch and a chair and, like, a TV and basically set it up like a tiny living room. Yeah, well, I think at that age, though, too, like, you know, you've got that nice, uh, bendy, flexible and youthful <laughs> spine. It's, I often, often wish I could just get a hold of some of those bones, you know? <laughs> So yeah, Nikki and Max are having a romantic evening watching a cassette of Nikki's choosing in Max's library, which is some sort of foreign torture porn, called which Videodrome. she's super into. Yes, yes, it, it is called Videodrome. Oh yeah, at this point, I suppose um, Max's like engineer, uh, Harlan, is the one who shows him this little feed of Videodrome saying that like it comes from uh, it's like a, like a pirated signal from Malaysia. And so Max records it, brings the tape home. And then uh, that's the one that Debbie or Nikki uh, selects. 
I do like that the tape does open with the title sequence that says Videodrome, just so you know that's exactly what you're watching. There's a few there's a few red flags here. <laughs> um, <laughs> with Nikki? <laughs> well, you know. Uh, she uh, reveals a few cuts that she has on her shoulder, so she's into some... She's pretty freaky, and uh, she asks him if he'd like to try a few things. And I mean, obviously, okay. <laughs> um, they, they, it's not exactly what I expected, especially from this being a Cronenberg film. Like, yeah, I kind of figured they'd be getting into some real freak shit. I guess, I mean, the yeah, freakiest I mean, thing like... is him licking the needle after it went through her ear. Yeah, basically, he just pierces her ears. Yeah, it, it's more. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like watching a scene in like a 1980s girl film where like they're in high school yeah. and like you know like you don't have your heirs pairs yeah. the the only difference with uh <laughs> this scene is that you have a fully grown naked man in the mix um and yes he does at one point uh also, I should verify Debbie Harry was of legal age. Um, <laughs> that's very important. Um, yeah, he like licks the needle at one point, which is uh, extremely unhygienic. And uh, I, I don't know how the future is going to look, but for those of us uh, living in this current time period, uh, being 2021, that, that kind of stuff is hitting extra hard. Like, oh man, you he got to sanitize yeah, yeah. that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude. Like, you got to get some Clorox wipes or something. I don't know. That doesn't look like six feet apart to me. But Yeah. Yeah, so like they, they have their, their night together. And then uh, I, don't, I don't remember exactly where the, the next scene takes us. I'm pretty sure he goes back to work and gets some, gets some stuff done. Yeah, he goes back to work. Um, he goes, I think, to talk to... Uh, his like softcore porno uh, connection, this foreign accented woman, um, to try and see what she knows about Videodrome. And then uh, pretty soon after that, we end up back at his apartment where he's with Nikki and she's saying that uh, she's on assignment in Pittsburgh and uh, is going to go try out for Videodrome when she's there. After this, he figures out, I think somebody, I don't remember who name drops him, but he's asking around about Videodrome. Oh, this is when the foreign chick is like, like suggests he go talk to Brian Oblivion, right? Yes. So, so then he goes to this place called the Cathode Ray <laughs> Mission, which looks to be some kind of homeless shelter that just has like a bunch of cubicles and TVs for homeless people to come and, and like get their TV fix. So like, like father, like son, both Cronenbergs spend a great deal of time uh, in many of their films exploring possible futures in which technology has taken over many aspects of our lives in a in a not ideal way another thing i thought about when watching videodrome the the way that his writing style is i often wonder if david cronenberg thought of visual effects first and then wrote the plots around them right like i could totally yeah, so he's gonna that. shoot this guy and then like the guy like he's not even just gonna get shot though right like he's on the ground 
and his body like starts ripping apart. Yeah. It's coming out of it. Like his face is spilling. I'm like, well, what's the context? We'll, we'll get to that later. Are, are you in or? Yes or yes. <laughs> so Max. So when Max goes to see Brian Oblivion and he's not there, he's uh, Oblivion. That is. Uh, so Max talks with his daughter, Bianca or Bianca. Some of them said Bianca and, or he watches a, a tape of Mr. Oblivion, right? At this point? Well, I, th- I think that she, she gives him a tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, he is, takes this, it home. is this the tape that starts breathing? I think it segues into that. Yeah, oh, when he gets home, he goes to, like, put it into his VCR, and it goes like... Whoa, whoa. But that actually does happen after um, his first, like, interaction with Madness, where he comes home. This is after Nikki's gone to Pittsburgh. And his assistant comes by to like, I don't know if she's delivering something or maybe she brings the tape. Something. And he thinks that he hits her, but apparently he didn't. Yeah. And he also hallucinates that she is Nikki for a second. Um, But that was, I really liked how that was shot and just the way that he, the way that James Woods like goes through that scene, uh, is really believable. Cool. Brian, we're watching Brian Oblivion on tape, and he he starts talking to Max. So the TV set here starts like breathing, and I think like as Nikki's speaking, the the <clears throat> camera like zooms into her, like like super extreme close up on her mouth. Uh, this hallucination, or maybe not hallucination, ends with. Um, James Woods like getting his head sucked into the TV via the mouth of Debbie Harry. Willingly. Looked fucking. Oh yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't get sucked in. He crawled in. So he wakes up the next day, uh, to the to the to the body of his soft pornographer friend. Um, I think Harlan shows up at his house, and uh, he's uh, he's freaking out. And he tells Harlan to go look at his bed and make sure that the thing in there was actually what he saw. And I actually don't remember if Harlan comes back and is like, yeah, there's a dead chicken in your bed, or if it didn't happen. No, he, he doesn't see anything. Right. And yeah, I, I think because that, that whole segment happens after uh, he meets up with that other fellow who is like one of the creators oh, of video drums. Yeah, and he like puts that like VR headset on the the cool helmet. Yeah. That's a really cool helmet. Super eighties looking prop. Yeah. I do love the, um, like using like a lens crafters as your base of operations for your terrorist organization. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. I also love that this dude is like, part of a very sinister organization but he also actually does know glassware and like yeah, he mentions the glasses he's like you know those yeah those won't work with the shape of your face you yeah. should really try something with a slimmer frame <laughs> <laughs> and he did look ridiculous in those spectacles i yeah who who would be able to pull those off they looked like they were upside down almost i think they might have watched i don't know the 80s was a different time I think we also skimmed over the fact that there's just this, at one point, 
Max is just sitting shirtless on his couch, watching TV with his gun in his hand. <laughs> and I mean, I got to tell you, there's nothing I love doing more than hanging out in my house by myself, almost naked, just chilling with my peace and a fucking bucket of popcorn, and just just hanging out. I would be so upset if I was watching a movie with someone. Just me and my piece. I'll just hold on my gun. <laughs> Could you perhaps, I'm just going to throw this out here, not hold your gun. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's, he's, he's at home alone. He can do what he wants. Not only, so he, yeah, he's hanging out with his gun. And he has his uh, hallucination where his stomach Splits open. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he's got a rash, so he's kind of like scratching his gut, and then the camera comes back after, and it's opened into this vaginal hole. And yeah, he starts prodding around inside it with the gun. I know for sure that I would do the same thing. I pick my belly button enough to know that if I had a gaping stomach sleeve, I would be shoving my fingers and hand in that like all the time. Yeah, it's the the gun. Well, the safety was <laughs> probably on. The way that this visual effect was done. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. I was so impressed watching that. Yeah, I still don't even really understand how it was done. Because there's I was... so much depth. And he's pretty clearly, like, the top of the torso is real. That's the thing that got me, right? Like, I was fully prepared to watch this in, in like, the high definition and notice, perhaps, like, there'd be a scene where it pans out and you would notice his head sitting on, like, a prop body. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's a very seamless effect. Yeah, it's uh, it's Rick Baker that does the visual effects for all of these, all the all the practical effects here. I can't recall what else he's worked on, but he's he's a, a legend. And I think he's worked with Cronenberg quite often. The score of this film is, it's sparse. And it's so effective because it sits mostly below the film. Like you, you don't really, oftentimes like it's there, but it's not drawing really much attention at all. And it just kind of like adds texture and mood, like in a subliminal fashion. And it's like I, I just thought it like fit the the sort of bleak futuristic aspect of it like really really well. In my memory, I don't even recall there being music. It it was just more noise. Yeah, it's oh boy, it sets a it sets the mood. Mm-hmm. Fucking love the visual effects of after Max shoots. I think this is after he shoots his like co-workers under the influence of Videodrome and like his gun starts growing into his hand like the visual effects here are some of the best I've ever seen that was yeah that's oh my god that's a cool scene mm-hmm. I, I much prefer like I, I'm I think that the scene you're referring to is yeah like that that initial growth stage yeah. 
opposed yeah, where, to like, when it is fully the, the metal coming in like going under his skin and then you can see his wrist skin split and like there's metal coming underneath and right below his wrist there's a bit of exposed yeah like cabling yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah like that just that still frame and i actually perfect i have no idea how they did because like I don't know if they did it in like a stop motion thing or something, but there's those like three tendrils of like coil that are coming out of his of the gun and his hand and just like traveling down his arm. Man, it just it look everything about it looks flawless to me. I, I love it. I love the way that the cables looked. Yeah, they're like almost like a cartoon caliber gray, and it looked like a like an action figure coming to life. Mm-hmm. but still keeping the toy quality of it at totally. the same time but it's also gross and just yeah well that almost kind of plays to one of the major themes of the f- reality is really only what you experience like there is no actual objective reality it's it's only based on what you're perceiving so like were a toy to come to life then even if it looks cartoonish or if it, like it, it doesn't look super organic the fact that it's animated and alive and like moving around and interacting with you now in the physical realm like that is real which oh also, yeah it makes hallucinations terrifying because they are completely real even if nobody not, no one else can see them uh one question i had so when after this happens and then max gets reprogrammed um he goes to visit harlan and convex finds out that from Harlan that Convex is uh, giving uh, a talk at like a trade show and Harlan goes to put this like pulsating fleshy tape into the into the 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 stomach orifice but like are we to understand that there was a bomb inside that because once he inserts it into the stomach he starts screaming and then he pulls out like a mangled bloody stump with like what turns out to be a bomb attached to the end of it. So was there a bomb in what he was inserting into Max the whole time or did Max somehow create the bomb? I, I, I thought it was Max. Like either he put that in there prior because it's like he has the gun integrated into himself. So I think that he's able to integrate Various things, perhaps. Hmm. The straightforward answer is I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool, and it takes care of one bad boy, and then uh, Max goes to the fucking trade show, and uh, when he kills Convex, that death scene is it might be in my top three death scenes of all time. Like just the way that his body changes and morphs and decomposes and kind of explodes a little bit. Like it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's another scene where just the way in which it's done, like I'm just so impressed watching it. Cause I have no idea how a good portion of it could have been done. I, I would have loved to have been on set just to like get some inside details. Yeah. I would love to, I don't know, with the, the latter half of my life, uh, become a visual effects, like, like get an apprenticeship 
for visual effects somewhere. I might actually even look into like seeing how I can do this because damn, that'd be awesome. Like, I maybe I don't know. I don't want to like ruin the magic because it's one of the few things that still carries magic for a movie. Like because I under I can like consciously understand the way that most things in film are made, but some visual effects just like like it's it's complete magic to me. So I don't know if I want to ruin that for myself. But on the other hand, if I could learn how to do it and like help do this for other people, that would be incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, it'd be such a sick gig. Mm-hmm. The final scene too, where so James Woods like finds a, it's a condemned shipyard. Yeah, and yeah, he takes refuge, sitting down on a little single mattress. Yeah, he's lucky that this boat has a mattress and a TV and a blanket and stuff in it. Oh, that'd be a perfect place for squatters. Yeah, dude. Um, Fuck, I'd probably move in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we see Nikki on the television. Which, yeah, did I mention that there's a TV in here? I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Which we don't actually know how much of that is just his hallucination. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that they just kind of let you decide, like, how much of any of this is actually happening. Which makes it that much more interesting, because the very last thing we see is her kind of talking him into killing himself for the sake of, like, completing his transformation. Yeah, becoming the new flesh. Yes, and he has to kill the old flesh in order to reach the next stage. Long live the new flesh is one of the best lines ever delivered in a movie. I don't know why it's so effective. It just, it just perfect. Works. Yeah. It's it's just so perfectly creepy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partially scary too. Like James Wood's character says it a few times, mm-hmm. but when he says it with an audience... Oh, at the trade show? Yeah. If you were to hear that after after witnessing someone just shoot somebody down. Yeah, what does he yell? He's like, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. Yeah. So what's he talking about, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah, that, 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 that'd be enough to drive you mad. Um, But I love this last scene with... Uh, Debbie Harry on the television and like she oh my she she delivers her lines here so beautifully mm-hmm. and the visual of her on the television just nicely centered on her face using that wonderful voice uh, to walk him through this but she shows him an example of how to do it and we basically see the same footage twice which I think is very effective because we are watching this film on a television. Mm-hmm. So we watch him shoot himself on this TV, and then it just plays the exact same footage without the television in frame. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. And like, oh man, that's such a that's such a cool cut to black. Thing to add on the list of achievements for David Cronenberg is oh. I really think that he just like that guy knows how to end a movie. I really enjoyed watching this this time around and uh, that makes me really happy because i think i'd only seen videodrome once prior and this was one of the few that i i think i was just too tired the first time and my 
memory of it was I thought that this was one of the the lesser Cronenbergs, and I definitely came out of this viewing uh, thinking very differently. Yeah, I think I, I think the first the first time I ever saw it, I think it was just too young to really like to really let it sink in and really like focus on it even. Um, but I've seen it now twice in the last month, and uh, it's a special film, man. It's that's it, that yeah. I just I think it's special. I'm gonna give. Videodrome, a fucking 90 pulsating tapes out of 100. I'm locking this guy in here at a uh, nice 81. Listen, we, we went to the work of setting up a, a whole brand shiny new email. Mm, we cddlpod at gmail.com. Or, you know... If you're one of the younger folk and you don't want to go to all the trouble of typing all that shit in, go on your little new fandangled phone and pull up your good-for-nothing social media app, Instagram, and just look us up at CDDLPod. There's some really cool graphics on there that I think you'd really enjoy to look at. I think I think you really would. I think you'd, you'd take, a, take a couple... You know, that's where we announce things. That's where, that's it. That's, we just announced shit on there. And it's good. It's good to look at. It's very visually pleasing. If you, I gotta go to bed. I don't know, let's see what we get.